Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating more than 117 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. I don't want to work for work's sake. I don't really know how to half-ass stuff. Mm. And so I have to like really love something a lot. And there are things that I love, and it's really hard to raise money for them. (laughs) (laughs) And there are people who I think are really brilliant who deserve a chance at doing a narrative feature for the first Mm. time. And, you know, those kinds of things I'm really trying to make work. Elizabeth Olsen is calling herself an unemployed actor at the moment, but she has plenty of ideas on what to do next. I'm Michael Schneider, and we're back. And on this Emmy season premiere of the award-winning Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to Love and Death star Elizabeth Olsen. Also on this episode, Succession standout Kieran Culkin. But first, on the Award Circuit Roundtable, we recap all of this week's crazy news, from Jeff Schell's exit from NBC Universal to the possibility of a writer's strike, in addition to early Emmy handicapping. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. So call us Peaches and Herb, cause reunited and it feels so good. Oh no. Here we go. Oh dear me. I missed miss that. Reunited and it's understood. <laughs> Did you know that there were many peaches, not just one? There was always the same herb, but there were many different peaches over the years. I feel like it's her- okay. is it herb? It's or herb. Is it herb. Herb. Like herb is, is that, the is that name. And herb <laughs> is the the seasoning. The seasoning. Okay, right? so I guess that's why I'm thinking I hope this herb. Also yeah. acts as your presidential campaign announcement. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and this is how we're starting the new season of the Awards Circuit Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Variety TV editor Michael Schneider, and along to my right is the one and only Clayton Davis. Uh, Missed you, Michael. As I sit next to you every day. Clayton has not done this for so long that he doesn't know how to talk into the mic anymore. I don't. Oh my god! Oh my <laughs> god, Clayton! Oh Jesus! We're Hello. not just having a conversation no, right now. Right? Right? I'm ready. I'm here. Yes, thank you. It's like Clayton's all the way back uh, here. Like, welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. I, I, just, I just wanted to make good eye contact with you. That's all. Jazz Tanke, who knows how to talk into a mic? Uh, do I really? I don't know. And it's Herb, by the way. Just as it's HBO. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh, no. What is happening? Emily Longaretta. I also know how to talk into a mic. Yes, pretty, you, I pretty much remember. There you go. I know, and and you took you you're the, you took some serious time I off did. during Oscar season. T- so. Took some time off. That is a good <laughs> yes. way to put it. Yes, I took some time. I've been off for months. Yes, exactly. You've been not been, been doing, doing a thing. Yeah, <laughs> just lounging. You know, <laughs> kicking back. <laughs> but it is time. Yes. Um. Yeah. So we're talking about the Tonys, right? It's Tony season. <laughs> it is. It, I mean, is, it is Tony season. It actually is. Actually, it is Tony season. It is Tony season, and it's a uh, MTV Movie and TV Awards season. So <laughs> that's what we're here to talk this is about. True. This I, is re- true. I remember when I used to adore them. 
so much. Yeah. It used to be Menace, Menace uh, to Society won Best Film there uh-huh. in the 90s. Seven. They used to pick like, the best movies. And then it became Twilight. Yeah. Yeah. Downhill from there. All downhill. All downhill. But nonetheless, yes, it is Emmy season, and uh, it's it's Emily season. It is. It is. <laughs> Emily, as my parents say, my parents call me Emmy, so it does work out. They were like, you you really took that ser- that nickname seriously, they huh? They preordained like, this. They did. This was their plan for me. Coming soon, the new series, Emmy on Emmys. <laughs> yes. Oh. It should happen. No big deal. It's not bad. So, it's not bad. So, yeah. So, um. But uh, before we get into it all, it's been a week. It's been a couple of days. We're recording this on a Tuesday, and it feels like it's been a week. It of feels like two- next Thursday, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a whole nine days. Oh, yeah, man. it was a very intense twenty-four hours. Like yes. it, was, it was, it was like twenty-four hours right between NBC Universal head. Yeah, yeah. So Jeff Shell uh, being let go. Uh, on Sunday for uh, improprieties. Uh, Nothing like a Sunday news dump. No. <laughs> also, the the most oh my god of all, of like a long since Peter Rice, I think. Yeah. Most yeah. like yeah. oh damn, just, people were just oh yeah oof. yeah. So we did the classic thing at Friday where we stopped the presses, we ripped up the magazine and put uh, Jeff Shell on the cover. Um, Honestly, this is this is kind of why I love part of the reason I love working at Variety, though, things like this, because it's like, oh, my gosh, it's all hands on deck. All the planning and weeks of scheduling and all these things we've done goes out the window in in an hour. And within an hour, the entire thing changes, like the entire issue changes. It's just such a cool thing to like witness being part of a newsroom that like really is covering the news and being part of it, you know, albeit stressful. But yes, so but stressful. Still, but when you can take a step still, back and appreciate once it, once you get to the point where it's like we did it, it's done. Then you're like, yeah, yeah. But but in the meantime, the idea of crashing an entire major magazine cover Oof. in two days, um, it's it's not for the faint of heart. No, it's something. It's a lot of work. Yeah. So we so that happened on Sunday, and then we're like, "All right, <laughs> crazy news, right?" So and then along eight, comes Monday. Monday is the hold my beer. Eight forty-eight a.m. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox. Followed twelve minutes later, I think. Pretty <laughs> something like twenty minutes. Well, so, yeah. so it was like twenty minutes. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Uh, Don Lemon out at CNN. In the yeah. middle of our morning call, where we're all like talking about as stuff. we're yeah as, as we're, we're already yeah. trying to rework other things, Oof. and all of this happening as we already knew this week was going to be challenging with the the Disney layoffs, mm-hmm. which are still mm-hmm. taking place as we speak, mm-hmm. and as we're recording this, we're still awaiting a lot of news on who might be out, what departments might be uh, gone, and how this may affect a lot of things moving forward. 7,000, I think, is, yeah. the, is the number, right? That, or, I don't know if that was this week or that was in total that he was going to cut between like yeah. the year. Yeah, over, like, yeah, over the course through, of time. Through June. They, they yeah. do it like in three, three like, you know, small, big, small again. Mm-hmm. So to, to reach that 7,000. Thanks. Oh, and, oh, oh, and by the way... Hold my beer again. There may be a strike on Monday. I was like, no big deal. We're also yeah. just awaiting another giant story that's definitely going to change everything. Yeah, which again means next week we may have to crash another mm-hmm. last-minute variety mm-hmm. cover. Yep. Could I just giggle for a quick second? Can you imagine if Sunday was the Love Is Blind premiere? <laughs> and that would be all that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and what all that would have? Which had. you were at? Which Emily and I were yeah. at. 
Oh, so yeah. much has happened. We have a lot to catch up. So much has happened, guys. So there's life. a show called Love is Blind. <laughs> that went live. That went, that went live uh, three days later. Emmy nominated Love is Blind. It didn't quite go live as planned. So so are you still happy that you ended up going there? I guess you guys got the exclusive. I mean, it, it was like, great to be in, in, in the, the room because everyone just started like, looking around. Yeah. Uh, we saw Netflix people disappear. I've never seen a magic trick it like that. It was the best magic I've ever seen. <laughs> you never saw a Netflix All of a sudden, one. the whole Netflix team was not around yeah (laughs) not around anymore (laughs) and then uh then we watched this live event we we actually did see it live we did get to see it live it was the only two and a half hours later so actually let's clear because i I think we wrote about this so this isn't like out there but they had told us in the room it's embargoed yes Uh, at first they were like do not tweet do not do anything don't record many people came up to us during those first 15 minutes that put your phones away we said we have to take notes we we we're working yeah and then they said fine and then 15 minutes later they came and they were like actually there are some households that are getting it right now so it's fine and um, don't worry about the embargo yeah (laughs) it's just so crazy so that moment i was like okay i'm tweeting how crazy this is yeah yeah (laughs) no one in la was getting it that's i think i pretty much know that as a fact my wife no one no because we furious even when i went home at the end of the night it wasn't even up no, so we ultimately waited yeah jessica has never cared about what i do for a living except that night she was like where is my feed yeah <laughs> tell netflix to fix this she was furious <laughs> we are in marriage counseling now because yeah. <laughs> love is blind because. is ruining love yeah right is love blind Ooh. so love might be blind but it's not live mm. nope <laughs> And that's not even the biggest headache at Netflix right now. <laughs> no, it is not. Mic drop by mic. Yeah. So yeah. So so that's been going on. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it it. We are now heading into May, and so we've got the last minute dumps of. of I can't believe we're shows. not even in May yet. <laughs> It's, it's been April for six months. <laughs> this <laughs> like, is so true. It went from December up. to April. Yeah, that's like, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. But, but nonetheless, um, it's it is prime time for some of the biggest shows on on TV right now. So we really do need to start with Succession, yeah. since that's the only thing. Wait, that's back. <laughs> <laughs> it is oh. truly the only thing. And speaking of, you know, the the fact that uh, we all had to keep that secret of uh, Logan Roy for the longest mm-hmm. time. And spoiler alert: if you don't know yet, then mm-hmm. I, I can't help you. Yeah. I don't know how you listen to a podcast and you don't know yet. Especially a podcast <laughs> yeah. about TV. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. so that, that means you probably listen to other podcasts as well. Right. You should and ours is the best. But I, you, you must know. Yeah. Right yeah. So, yeah, that, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that they, they managed to keep that under wraps uh, and, and made that pretty much a surprise for the majority of people. I think um, the fact that also they provided episodes of that well before it came out, like press yeah, knew. Yep. And very, can we all applaud press for like Honestly, really holding it together? It's really awesome. Like, I can't believe I was waiting jobs. for it to leak and it never did. Yeah. Well, because no one wants to be the asshole. Yeah. No one wants to, because you know there's little upside and instead people are just going to kill you on the internet if yeah. you do really well, or in real life and let's be honest yeah. like we obviously are journalists but we also love tv and we love mm-hmm. watching i love watching tv and being shocked because it happens so rare now for us and it's like no one wants to be the person that's also ruining that for yeah. other watch viewers yeah. and, and i never I think, want to spoil anything for people and i think the specialness of the ep- i mean because i think what made us really behave it was inarguably one of the best episodes of television like in the last like 25 years like it was yeah. an outstanding episode of television and mm-hmm. there, there are very few moments 
of TV like that. Um, and I do wish or wonder if this is like early 2000s, what would have been like, like to watch it like live on HBO that night. Right. And then the next morning we're all like, what happened? And it was a water cooler yeah. like, conversation. Yeah, well, yeah. The water cooler. I, I missed yeah. some of that well, stuff. I think that, I think that was the, I mean, this is one of the few shows where it, it is still, still sort happen. of like that. Yeah. It yeah. is very water cooler. And, but and people, people couldn't talk working. about it on the internet because you don't want to be the ass. So in, right. in, in water cooler world, we would be like, who saw Succession? Come meet me in the conference room. And then we'd right. have uh, our weekly meeting yeah. about it. Which, which is what I think people had to do because they couldn't do it online. So it probably was like the good old fashioned, like conversation in the office mm-hmm. because you can't go online or you were texting people being like texts, stay offline yeah. if you haven't seen this yeah. like do not go on the internet if you haven't seen succession yet yeah. i mean mm-hmm. kieran culkin's death was big right <laughs> <laughs> not even the, not even the character kieran culkin. <laughs> kieran culkin. like that's what you went to yeah. uh but yeah no succession is in, in its moment and as that episode wrapped i then thought to myself oh this is going to be such a boring Emmy season. <laughs> it's like done. It's, it's like it's... In, in the third episode of the final season, I was like, you're going to have to like final season Game of Thrones yourself to like, and even then I think it would still be fine. Yeah. Like, cause as we saw with Game of Thrones, it still did it even when people mm-hmm. weren't happy about mm-hmm. it. But it was just, it was just like, okay, so succession wins, but how many does it win? That's what we're right. all yeah. talking about now. That's the pool now. Yep. That's the Emmy pool is, yeah. does it win all? All the There's a pull of crown in Shit's Creek, and now with all these shifts in categories, yeah. So give us the update now on where we stand yeah. with the shifts. So the, let's start with Brian Cox, the most uh, notable. Uh, again, spoiler alert: Logan's dead. Died in the third episode. What? Yeah. Um, Was this in the news? In the news <laughs> per Emmy rules, you have uh, you can submit into guest only if you don't appear. In more than 50% of a season. There are 10 episodes, so he appeared in three. And as long as he doesn't appear in at least two more, he can go guest. So right now he can go guest, supporting, or lead. He has all options available to him. Brian Cox can do whatever he wants. His his camp has not confirmed uh, where he is deciding to go. Uh, Kieran Culkin, guest this week on the podcast, broke with us exclusively on this podcast, (laughs) that he is uh, switching from supporting to lead. Uh, Not... And very clear, not a campaign strategy. He, he says it's what it is. This season, once Logan dies, it's about Shiv, Kendall, and Roman. And he said if Roman's supporting, then so are Shiv and Kendall. And that would be a lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I like how you just like it's Shiv and Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Jeremy Strong and Sarah Snook. <laughs> um, they, the char- now we're switching. Now yeah, the characters now we're switching. are getting nominated. Right. Yep. And at time of this recording, it's going to be up now. Sarah Snook has also pivoted from supporting actress to lead actress, where I think where she belongs. She, where exactly. she, where I think she should have been probably in the last two years or so. Uh, and she, I mean, it's it's going to be a. I don't see how she loses, but I mean, crazy things happen. We still don't know where what Jennifer Coolidge is doing because there were rumors about a leader supporting mm-hmm. rumors for Ray Seahorn from Better Call Saul going leader supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they will matter. Even if they switch to lead, I think Sarah Snook really is just going to run away with it. And then uh, Matthew McFadden, Nicholas Braun, Alan Ruck stay supporting Alexander Skarsgård. Pretty good assumption. He's going to appear in more than five episodes. We know he's definitely in, in this week's, which makes four so far. 
he he's going to have to go supporting this year, and I think he'll probably get yeah. in and maybe even win. Oh, he was fantastic <laughs> he was in, in this such a good episode. episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the the question though, and and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, is with the new rules, uh, is there more likely a hood of of them canceling each other out, and what does that mean? Yeah. So the Emmy rule changed this year, uh, which I long advocated for, and now I'm like, damn, I kind of wish I did it started next year. <laughs> you did this. Uh, I did this. Yeah. No, um, it used to be as a TV Academy member, you would fill out your nomination ballot in your respective area, and you can vote for as much as you wanted. You could if there's 240. Sporting actor submissions like there were last year, you could check off every single one yeah. and give a participation trophy. Which was silly. It was I mean, so just dumb. Silly. It was really me. dumb. So now it is that you get what is allotted in the category. So if there are only going to be eight nominees, you can only vote for eight. So lead actor drama is likely to have six. Um, unless we hit 140 submissions, which I don't think we will, uh, then it will be seven. But will the T- will a TV Academy member check off three succession boys in three separate acting categories, by the way, lead actor and supporting actor. And has Kieran Culkin done a good job of letting the world know that he is in fact lead? Will people look for him in supporting, you know, after they've already submitted their lead ballot? There's like a whole bunch of like those little questions there. Same thing with Sarah Snook. Like, will they look for her in supporting? Because that's where they voted for her before. And they've already submitted their – those are just some little bit of tidbit questions. But the new rules, I don't know if we're going to get those triple, quadruple dips that we've gotten before. Which we complained about for the longest time mm-hmm. because it was kind of getting boring when it's just like a straight ticket. We, so. were, we were waiting for a show to warrant it and then yeah. they got it and then <laughs> they, they changed the rule. But listen, it makes it more competitive. Um, like like supporting actor in particular – like Matthew McFadden, I feel very good about that he's definitely going to get in. But uh, Cousin Greg is going to be tough, I think. He hasn't had a whole lot to do. Skarsgård's eaten up the scenery. Alan Brooks still hasn't gotten nominated across the entire series of this show. Um, and then depending on what Brian Cox does, does that does he even fit into a Lee? I'm sorry, into a guest category like in our heads, like. Is he guessed? That'd be like, weird. No, it's, it's especially because really his his name is still in the opening credits, so yeah. it right. does feel weird. I mean, I guess technically you could put him there, but that wouldn't feel right, it, and it sort of makes a mockery of what a guest actor is supposed to be yeah. and supposed to mean. And it should be noted the fifty percent rule was the fix to what I call the Margot Martindale problem during the Americans was that she was winning, winning guests every season. And we were like, Oh, you're on the show. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like you're like a cast member. Mm-hmm. So they did this to fix it. And if anyone remembers Veep, Peter McNichol, mm-hmm. do you remember the year he got his guest acting nom rescinded because he appeared in a fifth episode where he went, shh, <laughs> Right, and that put him over the fifty percent mark, and they rescinded his nom and replaced him yeah. with one of his co-stars who won the category. Jeez. Remember when Heather Locklear used to be billed as special guest star on Melrose Place? Yes, yes. I do. <laughs> Even though she was like the star of the show, yes. she's the first billed Spe- yeah. Spe- yeah. special appearance and by special Heather Locklear. Appearance by Heather Locklear. Wait, she's the star of the what? what? <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, so so you know, just uh, I, I'm still happy with that rule change because I, I do think yeah. it's going to make it more interesting. But yeah, that is going to come at the expense of perhaps a sweep of of mm-hmm. succession, which just the this year it deserves. But, yeah, but, but the rule also, like I say, giveth and it taketh away. Because like I I I agree with the fundamentals of it, but then I look at someone like Lily Rabe and shrinking. She has to go supporting 
And she's in because she appears in like seven episodes, but she probably has like twelve she, minutes of screen like time. She could have been, she could be guest. Yes, yeah. literally. But she's in too many episodes. Benjamin Bratt, same thing for Poker Face. He's like in five seconds, like every episode, except for the last yeah. and first. Yeah. You know, but Adrian Brody can go guest because he's only in two, and he probably has way more screen time collectively than Benjamin. Yeah, he probably does. Well, it's tough in this like just short episode order age. You know, it's mm-hmm. very different with a 22 episode series where mm-hmm. someone is definitely a guest if they've only shown up in three. Yeah. But if you throw it, show up in three of a six episode <laughs> series, then you're a supporting actor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's Carol Burnett. That's why she's supporting for Better Call Saul yeah. this year. Yeah. Because they had it was seven episodes that, that part two or six. Six in part two. Yeah, it was. I, it was yeah, I yeah. believe. I believe so. And Ray Seahorn isn't in two of those episodes, so it was. It would have been really interesting to see like how that would have actually played mm. out. And uh, yeah, so th- those are obviously inside baseball issues, but it makes for a very exciting race. I don't know what's going to happen in the acting categories. Drama series, I feel really good about right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that, I feel like drama series is just HBO's whole place to win. I yeah. mean, it's going to be really hard to beat out HBO. Yeah, it's going to be HBO versus HBO versus HBO. Yeah. And maybe one more little bit of HBO. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, only the last uh, network to get four drama series noms was NBC back in 1992 when there were only uh, five or six – five nominees at the time, so way more impressive. Mm-hmm. Um and then they lost <laughs> to Northern Expo- yeah. Exposure. Mm-hmm. Although less ex- impressive is the fact that at the time there were really only three networks that yeah. were like, yeah. making – because Fox was not quite there yet in the Emmy race. But, yeah. So. Um, but yeah, HBO has uh, Succession, Last of Us, The White Lotus, and House of the Dragon. And I and Industry, Perry Mason, sure. But those top four. And I feel really good about three out of those four. Uh, House of the Dragon will be the hump to see if it can actually get in. Yeah. Um, because that also feels like 30 years ago because we heard this. Couldn't t- I, you could not convince me that was this year. <laughs> I feel like been a lot been of talking shows. about this show for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, the bear also feels like that too. And only murders kind of feels like that yes. even. And it's coming back in the right. summer. It'll start right. to feel like, but, but yeah, right now it feels like that was. A decade ago. Yeah. That was like last year. Yeah. And the there, bear also, it was last year. It was, and it's yeah, also going to be airing right. during uh, yeah. that stuff. But yeah, and, Be- and Better Call Saul, like I got into an argument with someone. They were like, Better Call Saul already had this. I'm like, uh, actually it didn't. Yeah. You know, there's that little uh, crossover. But yeah, we're going to have uh, a very exciting race. And at HBO, I think it's just going to dominate. And then we have to ask what it does on the comedy side. Because we have the final season of Barry mm-hmm. going up against the question mark Final season of Ted Lasso. <laughs> I don't. I still don't know what to at, like. How to like answer that for people? Like it's the last season. I'm like yes and no. So do we think they're they're going to wait until after that final episode and final finally say, or are they just not going to say anything? For or maybe a while? the final episode clears it up, unless people have seen it and then it doesn't. <laughs> well, will it ever clear it up? I mean, maybe we know the fate of Ted Lasso the character, but what about the rest of the characters and and the possibility of still doing some sort of spin-off or I was going to say that every single one of those characters could have their own show. So it's they could they have a better a plethora of options. I'm ready for the Phil Dunster spin-off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think or, it's time for it's time to give him his honestly, due. Like uh Roy Kent and Jamie Tart together. Like uh mismatch buddy comedy. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would That's watch the idea. hell out of mm. that show. 
Um, but yeah, there's no way they're going to be able to wrap up all these storylines in how many more episodes do they have? Like four ish. Yeah. yeah. They don't have many left. So there's, there's a lot of dangling storylines, no matter what they do. So, and again, I've no matter s- who wins, we all lose. Right. That's like <laughs> the famous saying. Well, and it's but, funny that that's a final season. Like there's so many, if, if that is a final season, there's so many final season face-offs going on. Like, yeah. I mean, Maisel also, I mean, Maisel was beloved in the beginning by the Academy. So there is a chance that that could be slipping in there. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of I mean succession Barry, better Call, yeah better, better call, call Saul. Saul I'm looking at the list right now uh, yeah like it it's going to be it's very interesting. interesting yeah yeah and does that does that matter it feels like there are more shows going off the air that are contenders than usual because a lot of times shows going off the air are going off the air because they are long in the tooth and they're not really contenders anymore mm-hmm. and the ones that. Emily supports who have established themselves for decades now has long been forgotten. And I wonder when I, 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 I have this theory. I think we're going to get back to law and order. History repeats itself. Uh, yeah. If we've I, learned I swear anything. to God, we're going to, we're going to step into a season where law and order gets its way back in SVU, not law and order because law and order is back on the air. So it would have to be us, but it would be us. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. Whatever. <laughs> you think or why? Why yeah, hasn't staring at Clay and he's like, I have no idea. What you're talking uh, yeah. about. <laughs> I mean, these are always like eye charts of shows. Like, I don't know. Like, of course, <laughs> of what Dick Wolf should do is do like an eight episode law and order on Peacock. That's like a prestige law and order and get some back Peacock, into the game. But yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's <sighs> on freebie. He has all this, <laughs> has all this free time. <laughs> So maybe oh, he pays people to make these shows yeah, work. These he days. does have all these. He's, he's, he's like, I'd like an Emmy for this. Please go make yeah, it. Exactly, and, that, and that's it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, entering the unscripted world this summer as well with LA Fire and Res- Rescue. So, um, I, I wanted to bring something up that just again uh, I've written about it and we've, we've all noticed this. A lot of genre slash sci fi slash fantasy shows, and we have to. And I, I've said this very often as I've been making predictions. We are assuming the Academy got really cool really fast in the last year that we were not privy to, assuming that they're just going to say, okay, yes, we'll do The Last of Us and Yellow Jackets and Andor and House of the Dragon and The Boys. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking at your drama predictions, Clayton, and the, the, I, I am kind of surprised by Andor. I mean, I know that the critics really liked Andor, the fans liked Andor, but I, I, I don't feel like it made that sort of – well, it, it didn't quite break through. I mean, it's no Mandalorian. The the year that the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, I was through. like not season one, two of the Mandalorian, not no, Mandalorian no, but now. That, but that first year <laughs> phenomenon when yeah. Mandalorian was like you know the show. Yeah, Andor never made it to that point. And, and I think a bit of me is also. I, I think I would think what you're pointing out here. I think I'm lying to myself when I put those up. I'm like, no, like there's no way they go all this. But then it, at, you have to ask yourself, but then what in its place? And I think that, like, do they go to something like Queen Charlotte because it's new, you know, because they did Bridgerton the first season, but then they pass on the second nearly completely. Right. You know, or does the diplomat break through because it is pretty, like, something they would do. It, it feels House of Cardsy. Yeah. I mean, meets I- West Wing. I would, I mean, you have next in line there House of the Dragon or The Boys, which, or, or Handmaid's Tale, um, you know, 
shows that yeah. are sort of legacy. I mean, House of Dragons is a new show, but it's really like yeah. a continuation. I have, of to, I, have to, so I have to defend my old man pick in drama series for a second. That's your Kaminsky method vote, I feel. <laughs> that, that, like, that literally the old man vote. Yeah, it's the old. It's, the, the old it's a Chuck Lorre. <laughs> I thought that's pocket. what you were saying. I was like, the old yeah. man vote. It's what? a Chuck Lorre like pocket of the Academy. I think that's still. I mean, there's uh, there's also this opportunity that could happen of like 1923 sneaking in, or yeah, or, that is or, love or maybe they do Yellowstone finally. Like they couldn't do it last year. That's what I'm just like, mm. damn. Yeah. I just I, I feel you're right about 1923. Yeah. That feels like the most Academy friendly, given yeah. the Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford yeah. of it all. And so. Harrison Ford being in two shows this year that yeah. are both in the conversation is put, helping that. One too. of them that presents his best performance he's ever given. Him on shrinking, yeah. It, it's it's. I think it's like I. That's probably my thing. I'm. I you can't convince me otherwise. I think he's Henry. He's Henry Winkler gonna. Yeah. The season. Yes. Like it's just gonna be like let's let's do it. It's and awesome. It's a good story. It's a good story, yeah. and it's and I'm telling you, it's like it's the best thing he's ever done, and I would have never thought he could do that. So yeah. I was very impressed by it. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. Do you think there's Sort of a, a chance that shrinking and Ted Lasso sort of cancel each other out a little bit in in terms of, you know, can there only be one mm. or can both? I mean, I think, I think they can both get in. I think, I mean, shrinking is also the same problem as like the bear and uh, Barry. It's like, we, we know these aren't comedies, right? Like, well, we're pretty certain. Like, uh, like shrinking is probably the most comedy of those three. Say, shrinking is definitely the most comedy of three because it still has that Bill Lawrence humor. Yeah. I mean, it's it's as funny as Scrubs. Scrubs was kind of the same where it had like, yeah, like really clever co- comedy, but then also and really Heidi Gardner's beat played for laughs on that show. By the yeah. way, who also has to go supporting for that show? Which is, you know, I kind of see that a little bit more though. Really, I thought I thought she had even less screen time than Lily Rabe. No, I, but uh, I think the story was more prominent. Oh yeah, well because you know. of the finale. Yes, uh, uh, when Logan Roy dies. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I. I mean, there could be potential there, but Shrinking also feels like severance to me in the sense of, like, it's my favorite show that isn't going to win. It's it's probably my favorite mm. show of the year. Yeah. yeah. But it's not going to – but it I, is, I've oh, accepted. It's, it's the feel – it's, to me, the feel-good show of the year. Absolutely. Shrinking. Yeah, 100%. Like, the, the, the one, one I tell everybody about. Yeah. It's the warm hug that we all mm-hmm. need yeah. right now, and, and really it is the Ted Lasso of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's why it's kind of hard to separate the two in my mind, even though they are different shows. The uh, so, so many similar auspices, et cetera. But um, uh, yeah, and then uh, I think one of the the last thing that I wanted to touch on was again with any rule change I should have talked about this before is you know we still have a sketch series talk series problem. Yeah, that won't Will this ever, ever go away. Like. <laughs> I, they just created new problems yeah. from the old problems. This this didn't really solve anything. It's just going to make it more confusing. And like, I, I really want someone to really tell me what's the difference between talk series and hosted nonfiction. Like, really, what's actively like the difference? Because the descriptions can just be like feel like the same thing. And, that, and why I say that is because problem with John Stewart got nominated in hosted nonfiction last year when they did talk series. They didn't allow Apple to submit there. They kicked them to talk series, which feels sort of appropriate. But then I'm just kind of like, so then what is hosted nonfiction where David Letterman is this year and he was last year as well. But it, it, it gets into some artistic uh, territory. Yeah. Of like, does, does it just come down to being in a studio versus being on the road? Yeah. And 
And, and I think I sense that's how it's sort of been decided. Yeah, it's like table or no table. Right, right. Desk or no desk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so um, yeah, so he got he got booted out of there. But it's funny now with him in talk series and John Oliver kicked out into uh, scripted variety to face off against Black Lady Sketch Show and mm-hmm. SNL, which those don't feel like they go together. Um, Right, right. And and the irony is, like, that show is a lot more talky than, say, uh, James Corden or Jimmy Fallon, which, you it's, know. I mean, it's just once is, a week. It's much more of a variety show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why why aren't those shows in the variety category? Because those shows are so much more about the, the sketches and the, the bits that they do. And then they also talk to celebrities. But it's really, you know, you're talking about carpool karaoke. You're not talking about the interviews. You're talking yep. about, you know, whatever Fallon does these days. Uh, with the, the, you know, the xylophone. <laughs> but, <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Um, listen, the fix, the fix we said a hundred times. Here it is. Drama, comedy, limited variety, four separate categories, ten nominees each. Not everyone needs an Emmy. Like, it'll put all the varieties together, put all limited together, give all of them their, all, their own acting stuff, and then just be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. We solved it. I mean, <laughs> TV Academy's listening, right? Yeah. Hello? In seconds. Do you need help? Yeah. And then uh, Emily had the great scoop of White Lotus getting the boot out of uh, Limited into drama, which was perplexing to my uh, comedic eye. <laughs> oh, as opposed to comedy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, yeah. It was, it's, it's both. It's both. I mean, yeah. there, we, we still talk about this every, we've talked about this every year now, but like, Barry is full drama now at this point to me, and, and that and that's not moving yeah. from that's the ju- that's like the I look at them like Barry and White Lotus. I'm like, you talk, you what? asked me which one the drama was and which one the it's comedy very, was. Yeah, exactly. I, I, them. It just comes down to runtime. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, uh, all else failing, I guess you know, runtime still does make a difference in mm-hmm. that. It does feel like Barry's a more of a comedy just because it is half an hour and White Lotus is more of a drama because it's an hour. But yeah. that's about it. You're right. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the bear, the same exact thing as the bear. Yeah. I don't think I laughed. I think I, I don't think I, I, I think All I smiled episodes. once. Yeah. And it's a great show, but I don't think I smiled. I think I smiled once and that was it. Yeah. It also gives me agita, that show. It, it gives me like well, a heart palpitation. Written. I mean, there's a lot of anxiety ridden shows these yeah. days. Beep, They're played for laughs. <laughs> and oddly enough, also a lot of therapy on TV. So maybe that goes yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe We're, that's why I like shrinking so much. Because it, it, I was like, if that was actually therapy, I would go to that therapy. <laughs> right? Where is it in Pasadena? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's that's yeah. not the great yeah. therapy to go to. Well, maybe not Jason Segel. Maybe but, Harrison Ford. But, well, I was going to say Jessica Williams. Yes, I, Jessica I'll Williams take Jessica Williams. Yeah. I would love her to be my therapist. Yeah, for sure. Right? It'd be fun. Be my best It'd be friend. fun. I'd, you'd leave every day in the best mood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'd feel like she's probably like you know not not breaking any sort of therapy rules. Right. So yeah. she might be the best at her job out of everyone yeah. there. She really for is. Sure. She is because there. When's the investigation open on like Harrison and Jason? Like, when does your license get it's revoked? It's going to happen right. next yeah. season. They're definitely going to have to dive it's into that. Dramatic. And that's yeah, yeah exactly. And then, and then It'll be a comedy. Next season will be here. It's a drama. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, we uh, we have a lot of fun stuff for you this season on Award Circuit. That's where we add in the this season on yeah. Award Circuit. <laughs> well, I don't have a clip now. So, but today on Award Circuit, we have. Lizzie Olson, 
Oh, you're calling her I, I, I Lizzie. Call, I call her now. Lizzie now. Oh, not your buddies. No, I would never call her Lizzie. I was like Elizabeth Olsen, her Madam Queen, and Kieran Culkin of Succession. Just up and comers doing some really good things. Oh, I think yeah. they're they're going places. Yeah, just some working actors mm-hmm. who are just trying to make their mark. Sounds like a good episode. Kieran it's Culkin really is forty, by the way, and it it's wow. insane. Right? Ruined me. His <laughs> wife's <laughs> called Jazz, by the way. Is he married to a Jazz? Yeah. Oh, we shared that fun fact. <laughs> yeah, he's he's know. he's forty, and it. Uh, I was like, damn. I remember. I we talked about nowhere to run. It's great, Jean Claude oh. Van Damme. He missed his action career. I can't wait. I can't wait to listen to this. So how old is Macaulay then? 42. I think he's like two years older than him. Because I think Kieran's like the second youngest because I think Rory's the youngest. Yeah. Macaulay is 42. You are right. Every time we watch Home Alone, it's like. Yeah. We're all getting old. It's just, it's, it happens. It happens. All right, God. so we're ending this on a bummer now. Like, I know um, life is life ends note. soon. There's mortality. I gotta and, go watch shrinking. And, yeah. I feel like I feel mood. like Roman sitting on that wall talking to Alexander Skarsgård while he's peeing. Like <laughs> just like I when he goes when he's like I'm messed up man I'm gone. I was like oh I feel that like he can't even articulate it. But you're just like oh yeah I I know that feeling man. That's me every day during yes. Emmy season. <laughs> yep. Yes. All right, Emmy season. Let's go. Bye, kids. Bye. Bye. After the break, Love and Death star Elizabeth Olsen. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. The true life crime series Love and Death was created by Emmy winner David E. Kelly, known for, of course, Big Little Lies and shows such as Allie McBeal and so much more. It tells the story of Texas housewife Candy Montgomery, who in 1980, following a chance collision on a volleyball court with fellow church choir member Alan, played by Jesse Plemons, orchestrates an affair between the two married adults. The encounters lead to Candy being accused of murdering Alan's wife, Betty, played by Lily Rabe. The series also stars Patrick Fugit, Kira Gilchrist, Elizabeth Marvel, Tom Pelfrey, and Kristen Witter. And they get to go to their jobs. We just stay home and, God, that's supposed to be enough. You always want more. Oh. You do, Candy. <laughs> Whatever you have, you always want more. Yes, I do. And I'm not going to apologize for it. It is human nature to take risks. To go for something with a little thrill at the risk of falling. Oh, 
Are you okay? I'm fine. Are you sure? Yeah. Would you be interested in having an affair? For this week's video episode of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, awards editor Clayton Davis sat down with Emmy nominee Elizabeth Olsen to discuss her role in Love and Death. She discusses the hunger she had to take on the murderous and feminine role of Candy Montgomery while sharing her experience in the industry on the heels of a possible writer's strike. Olsen has multiple projects she wants to make with first-time narrative directors, but is trying to find a way to get financing and allow the filmmakers to retain creative control. They began by discussing how she got involved with the project. I was filming I was filming Doctor Strange in England and I it's just one of those things where you just get uh, you kind of get an offer, you get scripts, you get uh, I got the Texas Monthly articles, but no one like very clearly explained to me that it was a true story. Mm. Um so I I was thinking it was based off of short fiction. Um, and, <laughs> and then when I spoke to Leslie, uh, Linka Gladder, the director and David E. Kelly, and also producer David E. Kelly, the creator and writer and producer, um, they explained to me that it was a true story. I didn't do any like Googling to see if there are other projects that have ever, you know, told this story before. Cause there were, I don't, I don't really know in the, I can't remember if it was the Barbara Hershey one was how much longer ago yeah. that was, but that's, that's how it started. I loved, I loved the way David wrote the character. I loved the tone of the piece. It was something that was, was playful and interesting in a way. I, I don't, I was looking for something that was just like a bit off centered and, um, there, I don't really play very like feminine characters that often. That was something I was really curious about. Um, and then just this woman who strives for perfection and control, um, having all of that taken away from her and her trying to just grip tightly onto keeping it together was something that I was excited to to play around with. I'm so glad you said playful because that is what I when I was watching uh, the episodes. It looks like you're having the time of your life in such a dark, like, <laughs> in such a dark, demented story. And what it reminded me a lot of was the first time I laid my eyes on Elizabeth Olsen, uh, Martha, Marcy, Mae, Marlene, yeah. and just like who, what, like who is this starlet before us right now? <laughs> and she's doing incredible things. Um, but how did you find that playfulness in her? Did you just find the the fiction, the fictionalized part of it, or did you? Uh, zero in on the true story aspect. I think there's a few things. There's so the writing was already pretty funny to me. The mm. the way the music, I could see the way he was going to be using music in an actual edited form um, was to create humor and to indicate a tone that we all felt just when that was on the page. And so I think the real thing that we were trying to come together as a company during this um, week we had of rehearsals with Leslie was, are, are we, we are all right. We're going to be all leaning into this, the humor and the absurdity and not the jokey ha ha humor, but the abs- us being a little bit aware that the absurdity of this circumstance is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, because even before there ever is even a murder, the absurdity of this affair, the way it happened is, is true to life. Um, and how, and how this affair actually started. It was a six month courting process. Like it was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, Jesse and I, who love playing with whatever that tone was going to be, we wanted to play the truth at the moment, but there is a part of you as a performer that knows that 
you know what's what's funnier. Um, and so that was a constant bat. That was a constant not battle. That was a constant um, litmus test of like how far are we pushing the humor in this situation. Um, Patrick Fugate and I leaned way too much in humor too often, and so we had to pull that back a lot. Um, but it really was incredibly fun to play with. But it was on the page. It is part of these people and the truth of of the circumstances. And I really thought the the book that we used as a reference, Evidence of Love, which was the only thing that Candy Montgomery actually participated in post the trial. And so I got to have an insight into her childhood, into her upbringing, into where she grew up, into um, just kind of what motivated her. And through that, I, I could find a voice that I thought would be fun because I don't know what she sounds like. And um, and it yeah, and it was that that allowed me that opened something up. And I just I did all the homework, got all the facts. But then when we were filming, it was playtime and it was everything I did felt right. It was so freeing and so much fun. And um, and they don't always feel like that. But it really was the material felt felt like you could have so so much playtime with it. Uh I, I love how you talk about the absurdity of like, you know, how the affair uh comes to be. And in the first episode especially, I think, by the way, I know Wanda has provided Halloween costumes for little girls, but I think some college kids are going to be wearing the nightgown <laughs> in, in, the, in the motel room for quite some time. That really, that whole scene is just impeccable. <laughs> and you you are going toe-to-toe with another great actor, Jesse Plemons. Yeah. T- tell me about the creation of that moment and uh, did you guys rehearse and then what got you to that place where you could deliver the unveiling of set affair now taking off yeah well we so we did have this time with leslie before shooting and i think it was really just a few hours of a day where we went through every single affair scene and tried to create a story arc so that um we weren't really repeating beats and that so we leslie kind of created a title for each affair scene um and also the way david had already indicated how far they had gone through their lunch um, to so that we could understand almost their comfort level. You know, do they finish dessert? Do they just get to dessert? Do they even open up the picnic basket? Um, and so Jesse and I, we both are actors that don't like to talk a lot about stuff. Like we do ahead of time. We did do a lot of talking about what they're getting out of this relationship, why they both stayed in it as long as it was, how it was really based on friendship and communication and their own emotional intelligence levels being different and where they aligned. Um, and then by the time it, it's it's shooting time, he and I don't like to talk. We like to just do. We like to make sure that we maximize the hours on camera. And so it was just a really playful way of working. And um, and we we both aren't scared of pauses. We're both not scared of taking our time. And Leslie kind of let us um, play with that a lot. How long was the entire shoot, uh, like front to back all 10, seven months or eight episodes rather seven, seven seven episodes. Wow. Yeah. Seven months with, cause there's a Christmas in there. (laughs) There's a Christmas that that we were given. Um, (laughs) one thing I want, uh, I want to give you the opportunity because, uh, last year, first time we met was at the power women event that you were honored at, uh, very much deserved. And you are a great, um, voice for women in this industry and then also a great example of someone that has grown through this industry. 
And the scene in particular with Jesse, I think, puts into focus another great highlight that has come up a lot, the importance of intimacy coordinators on set. And a lot of people are always – it seems to be a hot debate right now, and it shouldn't be. It like should be pretty clear that they are important and we need them. Uh, can you just speak to that about how that has helped you in some of your roles, especially this one? Yeah. I mean, I – Definitely didn't happen when I first started. And I was definitely in some wild scenes when I was first starting out. Uh, I mean, because I actually thought it helped tell the story, not because anyone ever made me do something I didn't agree to. Um, I think f- I was a dancer. So to me, I just think of um, any intimate, intimate scene as um, as choreography. And I think it's really about uh, I think the most important things for intimacy coordinators are really to support not just the uh, the main characters of a as of a production, but um, I think it's really important for extras and day players because you're not already comfortable on that environment. And you're in a place of trying to like make other people happy. For me, I kind of take a test of like what does everyone want out of this based on like the actors I'm working with, the directors, everyone's comfort level of using like the actual language we need to use in order to communicate what we need to see for the, tell this to tell the story. But there's also a creative element of um, with this project, we get to watch this woman um, choose to be like liberated and free in her sexual life. And then we find her in her most vulnerable moments later in the show. And to me, there is even a story to be told about how much you reveal of her body in this show and when. Um, I liked the idea of it, of the only moments you actually see pieces of her um, uh, like physical body from like, from just any kind, like just actually see it instead of not see it is um, in the most vulnerable moments that she's in that has nothing to do with sex. And so to me, that's actually a that's a part of the creative conversation with the director, but also then you have a coordinator to help as um, as mediator. So I just think it's another tool, really, of like create for creative conversation and to have someone help execute maybe what looks best on camera because we can have an experience as actors, but we don't necessarily maybe know what could make something look more realistic. So I think it's helpful to have someone like that the way you would a dance choreographer. Beautifully said. And you've also given me a great segue into uh, – we are aware that you uh, are a dancer. And I was looking through the internet and some people uh, – it's always very weird to look through the internet and find yeah. uh, what did little, you little campaigns. <laughs> uh, well, I have found this like little poll petition of Elizabeth Olsen doing a musical – and that they want you to do a musical because they know that you can dance and oh, evidently you can sing. Well, I and, can't sing. And, I don't know who well, started that rumor. I mean, we we could find out. But uh, what one of the roles that they were pitching out there was Lola in Damn Yankees. <laughs> and how would you ever be interested in doing some big musical? Oh, my God. That was one of the first musicals I saw at my school. I was a little girl and Damn Yankees. The high school was doing Damn Yankees. So I have that that performance. Yeah, you have that background already. Yeah, ingrained in my in my memory. That's very funny. Um 
Like can you Demi. really not sing, or are you one of those that say, I can't sing? No, I actually... kind of, I I, can, I know how to carry a tune. I grew up doing musical theater as a kid because I loved it. Mm-hmm. And um, then when I reached junior high or high school, I was I think I was like 12 when um, I was doing my children's summer musical camp that I did every year. And they told me uh, when I was auditioning for West Side Story that if I wanted to be Maria, I um, have a tendency to sing flat, so I have to commit to voice lessons. <laughs> and I said, I'll do anything for the part. <laughs> um, and so I got to be Maria in my in my youth theater, musical theater summer program because I sing flat. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of scarred me knowing that I sing flat. <laughs> and, then, and then I think I got self-conscious after that. Before that, I didn't have – that part of my brain hadn't like synapsed. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't, I'm not really a good singer. Um, it's kind of boring hearing me sing, but maybe through a character it's fun. I'm not sure, but I don't think a musical is necessarily like what I'm gunning for. Okay. Yeah. What, what are you gunning for these days? What are, what are, what are some of the roles that you're, that are really piquing your interest? I'm really just wanting to work with, um, with directors that have strong points of view with how they tell stories, whether it's tonally, visually, um, people who have had an opportunity to do narrative um, features or not. Um, so there's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a little awkward of a time to get projects going right now because of the state of where the industry's at. Um, but I, I have a feeling that we're going to have a really interesting um life in film again uh and we already are seeing that um i mean i just saw bo is afraid in theaters the other day and just to i feel like you usually see projects like that that come out of europe not really the states and so it's just i don't know i think it's an exciting time and did blow your mind (laughs) yeah i mean i i've watched our aster talk about his his um sources of inspiration before and roy anderson being one of them and i just thought he did a really beautiful job telling a story through visuals and camera tricks. And I was really just like taken away, like taken on a journey that I really didn't know what to expect and read anything about it. So it was, it was a really fun experience in the theater. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I, I'm just trying to work with people. I have to like convince people to want to work with me that <laughs> like visionary directors. And that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to do, I guess. And Who, to, who's, who's your dream director at the moment? Who do you want to, I, we can, I yeah. can text them and let them know. Okay, great. Um, I love Ruben Oslin's films and have for a long time. And um, I really love Yorgos's films. I think Ari Aster makes great movies. Yeah. I think those guys are really making some spectacular stuff right now. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I mean, Ooh. Love to work with Tarantino before he retires. <laughs> with we have his one, one film last left. Movie. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite Tarantino movie? What's like the one you go to? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I wonder if besides Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. yeah. Um, looking at and you brought this up before uh, the the state of the industry. I know you're you're very heavy into producing now and you're doing an amazing job there. Not heavy. No, or, not or, heavy. Or getting heavy into into, I'm the, into hoping that world. to start, yeah. Um but you know, we have a, a a possible pending strike uh, ahead mm-hmm. and writers are trying to get what they well deserve and uh fair wages. What um what has been some of your uh opinions on the way things have gone and 
where they will be headed in, in the future. Do you have any? Well, I'm not. Re- I'm not too. Well, I think they kind of keep it close to their chest with what what's actually going to be hopefully negotiated. Um, I think we just need to uh, reimagine uh, structurally how people can. Um, of all levels make uh, continue to make a living now that we have these streaming services and we don't really have, and it's the same thing with, you know, actors who used to be able to live off of residuals and can't anymore because they get paid for one fee for a day player fee or something. And it goes on a streaming service and they don't see a penny after. So those kinds of things, I feel like we need to kind of start to figure that out. I mean, really we were all, there there's that agreement that uh what was it called like new media or something there's some funny contract that we were all participating in and even netflix who has you know tons of money we were all we didn't have the overtime wasn't the same Mm -hmm. uh which was really weird i had that experience working with facebook and i was like Mm -hmm. wait this isn't how tv works like i've done this before (laughs) um that's not you're supposed to pay me after hours with it's like no if you work overtime I forget what it was, but if you worked, you couldn't get paid until your overtime maxed out at a certain um, amount each week. Um, so you ended up giving like free labor, essentially. free overtime, which oh. is very weird. And like, so you don't actually get penalties until your penalties accrued a certain amount mm. because it was new media. Um, so, I, the, you know, there are things like that where it's like now the whole thing is new media. So we just I think there's I hopefully it just starts a trend of people being able to be protected in a way that um, people can continue to earn in the way they used to. And I, to follow up on that, I mean, you, you've grown up in the industry, you have family that's been in this industry. So when you see things like that uh, happen, do you, do you get angry about that? Do you see, do you ask yourself like, I know how this works and it's, you know, this is just long overdue that we get to a place where everyone can, uh, first of all, afford to live here because yeah. it's LA. Um, but also that can not struggle to do what they want to do. There's always this misconception um, that people in the industry automatically are rich. Right. And like, like you work in Hollywood, you must be rich. Right. No, there are, there are union people that are working people that live in studio yeah. apartments. So um, I get, I, I'm, I'll, I can be a voice, but like put me aside. Yeah. I'm fine. Um, yeah. But it's when I have, cast members that are like you know number 32 on the call sheet or whatever that are explaining to Mm me um that they can't even like live in the outer ring of austin there's a lot of filming going on in texas but a lot in a lot of our show and love and death we had a lot of um we were filmed we filmed it on austin and um and a lot of other cities within tech in texas and a huge amount of our cast were local hires and it was really interesting to learn how expensive even – I mean, that's because it's a tech place, but how expensive that city is. And um, it was really through them that I was understanding that there's still these, like, crazy contracts that um, they ha- – that where they don't get any residuals because of it, this new media deal. Um, and so – I hope I'm even saying that right. I think it was the new – I think it's called new media or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Is, yeah. Um, so <laughs> there are just things like that that I'm learning from other people I'm working with, stuff that I maybe don't think about on a personal level until I'm confused I'm not getting my penalties. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, um, but yeah, I, I think it's um, 
I think we'll work. It's we'll have to figure it out because it's yeah. not like we're going to go backwards. We're going to continue to do stream. Whether yeah. streaming becomes ad based doesn't really make a difference with how people who are working on films and television should be getting paid residually. Yeah. And we're just recreating cable at this point. I think we can we all are. we can all just like agree on that. I mean, it was a crazy point. idea, wasn't it? Fifteen dollars <laughs> for anything you could ever watch. Yeah. And we spent fifteen dollars to like buy a dvd mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Which and I, now we're like 15 dollars for anything <laughs> bottomless pit of whatever you could ever dream of like it's crazy that we still, thought that was going to work out i'm still an ads. advocate for physical media i will still buy blu-rays <laughs> and dvds all i can um going back to love and death for a minute um again uh working with the great jesse plemons uh, Lily Rabe, who's mm-hmm. so so good in this, so good. Uh, and so fun to work with too. Uh, she's so great. She's such a physical actor. I really admire that about her. She and this year especially, she was uh, also in Shrinking, uh, opposite Harrison Ford and J- J- Jason Segel, uh, yeah. Apple series. She's I didn't see that, fancy. but my friend James Ponsolt directed a bunch of those. He, he's precious cargo. That yeah. that man is, is so good. Um, wh- where did you find the? most difficulty uh in a in shooting any particular scene with throughout the series i had a hard time getting behind the um hypnosis of it all i i just i couldn't really understand how uh this hypnosis was allowed to be used in the trial which it still is hypno it's still used today if it's used effectively and both sides agree to it um but i i met with like a hypnotherapist to try to understand what happens to me when someone tries to use this. And I think you really have to choose. You either are a person who can go under hypnosis quite easily um, or you're making a choice to participate and knowing how much of a controlling person Candy was, it's really hard for me to believe that she was just like so simply under hypnosis and had this huge um, experience that kind of was the reason why she ended up being able to defend her position, this like shh argument of um, her like traumatic childhood experience. And so I, I just, there is a part, sometimes I can defend anything to a crazy degree, but that I couldn't understand. So that was a hard scene to film because it was really about trying to figure out, am I just going to act like I'm under hypnosis or am am I going to try and find some line to walk that, Maybe it's just an experience that she needed to have to express her own personal rage. Um, was she being manipulative in that moment, knowing how it could help her case? Things like that that I thought was a tricky um, line to walk. You, you know, you're sitting down here. You're sitting with me. I'm the senior awards editor at Variety, and again, you are incredible on the show. And you're two years off your first Emmy nom for WandaVision, uh, my favorite MCU thing that's ever been made. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's my it, favorite it, one to shoot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it must have been. Uh, looking at looking at the possible uh, chance at notoriety, and I think this is – and this says something. I think this is Elizabeth Olsen's gift to us right now in terms of performance. Like, I, I've never seen you be – better than what you are in love and death what does that feel like and did you ever think that you would get to this point in your career that's really nice of you to say that um i i just think of careers as being an accumulation of you know 
everything that's come before it. And I do think that with before WandaVision getting to do this show that I briefly mentioned with Facebook called Sorry for Your Loss that wasn't really seen by many people, but there were a lot of hours spent and I got to be a, be a, like a part of it from crewing up the show to um, to sound mixing. Uh, so I saw every aspect of it. And so there's a lot of hours spent. And I feel like I wouldn't have been able to understand how to commit to WandaVision had I not had the the commitment to sorry for your loss. And then I felt really tuned up when we started filming this show. And I, and I think because of WandaVision, I was able to like really do a physical performance because it had the, the, the comedy and the way we shot it just had to be physical. And I sometimes as an actor for film and TV, we, we, we forget about, uh, not forget about, we don't really pay as much attention to our physical body mm-hmm. and telling a story um, that just feels like it's in, you know, medium shots and, and close-ups. And so I, I've, that's been a big process for me to reconnect in that way from like being in theater and college and stuff. And um, so I feel like everything's just an accumulation. I just feel like I'm I feel like I don't know how to do anything right now because it's been too long <laughs> since I've been working and it's not good for actors to be unemployed to be able to like get better. But I do feel like I was pretty tuned up when we started filming this and um, and then I had like the most amazing people that I got to work with that – and I really like being a leader on a set. I really like setting a tone of how – people communicate to each other and behave and sometimes it's distracting and takes away from me focusing on my job but other times it's not and um it was just a good it was a good show it was a good a really great time and a freeing experience when you say unemployed is it unemployed by choice or unemployed because you just the roles aren't like the ones that interest you i don't want to work for work's sake and uh i just really want to i want if if I'm I, I I don't really know how to half-ass stuff, mm. and so I have to like really love something a lot. Um, and there are things that I love, and it's really hard to raise money for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there are people who I think are really brilliant who deserve a chance at doing a narrative feature for the first mm. time, and you know those kinds of things. I'm really trying to make work. This year you seem hungry year. for something right now. I I, I, am. Do you have some projects in mind that you're like, guys? Yeah, I've got just- a couple that they just really need to be able to figure out how to um, get financing in a way that allows them to have creative control, and mm-hmm. that's hard to get on a first narrative feature. And um, but you and, see the potential in them. You see, oh my what god, they, what they yeah. Can do. There's like, and you, everyone can see the potential in them. That's what's mm-hmm. so infuriating. Uh, yeah, and there's yeah. I'm so well. It's allowed me to figure out other stuff and how to be creative besides um, always needing other people to provide that for me. So it's been an interesting experiment the last like year with a little. I had a little bit of work in December, November, December, but that's it. Awesome. The last two questions. Because uh, the internet will scream at me if I don't ask about. Um, Marvel and and all that it all that it's uh, given us. Uh, One, do you miss it? And two, should we expect you uh, alongside uh, Her Highness Catherine Hahn in Agatha? I think I yeah. I think I answered a question wrong. Someone asked me if I was going to be returning 
and they said, for instance, are you going to, are we going to see you in this thing? And I just said, well, I hope I'm returning, but I didn't actually, I'm not returning in anything right mm. now. Like I'm doing nothing for Marvel right now. Nothing and on the docket. No combos. Nothing. No. Nothing. And, and it's not because I'm trying to be cheeky. I literally, they'll let me know when they'll let me know. Like I have no idea. Um, you can and, blink twice and tell me if it's a fib or not. But that's yeah, fine. no, I don't. I, <laughs> Right now, I'm really unemployed. Um, and uh, uh, do I miss it? No, I don't miss it. Mm. Um, I just did two years straight of it. Mm. And so I think the break's been good for me. It's yeah. nice. I need to build other characters. Um, it's important for me. <laughs> it's nice. Which is why I'm really grateful for this show. The show came at a great time. It was after playing Wanda for two years straight. Um and then I had to talk about it for like a whole other year. And so I'm nice. It's nice having something else to, um, to focus on and to highlight and talk about. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And, uh, my final question, it kind of just goes to the core. And I always feel this is important for people to see and hear from you. Cause I think a lot of people tend to put celebrities in a box of like, you know, you're, God and you could be God to a lot of people, but oh, you're also wow. you're, but also your people. You're a human with re, with, with with real feelings and definitely got not a God and got really and got really inspired at some point in your career. What was the movie or TV show that did it for you? That said, I got to go do this thing called acting. It's so hard to answer that question because I have been dancing and singing and taking classes and ballet and singing lessons. And um, I even took like acting classes as a little kid and camps my whole life because it was what I loved to do and what my entire friend group loved to do. Um, when we would have an oral presentation for a history class in elementary school, it always became a musical. Like I just was around kids that were all hams and – so it's hard for me to think about specifically the one thing. There was um, – I did the Laramie Project in high school, and that made me not feel as embarrassed to want to pursue uh, acting as a career. Um, that was a big turning point for me because before I, I kind of was embarrassed by being from L.A. and thinking, well, this is the most – an interesting thing someone can want to do coming from LA. Yeah. And so I thought it was more interesting to do some, anything else. Um, I thought it was very basic and you try when you're in a, your adolescence, you're trying to be different. Yeah. And in my, and being an actor and you grew up in LA or being part of like the thespian society, yeah. isn't that different. Um, and would you say that your, your sisters had a bearing on that because of their career and what it was, you just didn't want to be like, of course, Maybe. Another Olsen is going into acting. Maybe, but it was really maybe that could that could that could be. And if it was, it wasn't that conscious yeah. as a kid. Yeah, you're just trying to be different. I think that if you're if you know if that's kind of, I think a lot of some kids maybe just want to blend in or yeah. whatever. But like, there's a part of you that you know you want to have some sort of rebellion. And mine yeah. was like, well, then I'm going to become a an accountant or whatever. <laughs> that was my rebellion in my mind. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's the thing that I can kind of connect it to. But that's not because I watched something; it's because I participated in something. Um, but growing up, I think I I was so in love with Frank Sinatra, and I wanted to play opposite him my whole life. And that was that was I think what really got me to want to 
learn how to sing and dance and perform because I wanted to be in a musical with him as a little girl so badly. It was like all my make-believe was me dreaming of working with him. Poster on your wall of uh, Frank Sinatra. You know, I didn't have a lot of attachments as a kid, so I never really had posters or toys that I – I tried to. I, like, really tried to force – like, I didn't like a boy band. Like, I – Ooh, what was the boy band? I didn't like any oh, of them. Like, oh, you didn't no, like No, I had no attachments. <laughs> the closest thing I ever formed an attachment to was Ani DeFranco and Michelle Pfeiffer. So Ooh. I don't know what that says about me because it's very confusing. Well, Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> is a goddess of yeah, oh, but <laughs> That and Ani DeFranco, you don't really yeah. think they go in the same child's yeah. brain, you know? So <laughs> That's Love and Death star and executive producer Elizabeth Olsen. Love and Death premieres April 27 on HBO Max. Roman Roy is now co-CEO of Waystar Royco on HBO's Succession, so it's only natural that actor Kieran Culkin followed suit with his Emmy campaign. Culkin, who plays the sarcastic and jokey Roman on HBO's hit drama series, confirms to Variety exclusively he will be submitted for the lead drama actor category at this year's Primetime Emmy Awards. This marks a category shift for the actor, who previously submitted in the supporting categories for the three previous seasons. Roman has come to the forefront during the fourth and final season of the show, leading the way on the Waystar Gojo deal with his siblings Kendall, played by Jeremy Strong, and Shiv, of course, played by Sarah Snook. Culkin has been an accomplished and respected actor for over three decades with a breadth of work across both film and television. Beginning alongside his real-life brother Macaulay in the Home Alone franchise, his most memorable roles have included the rebellious and sardonic teenager in the dramedy Igby Goes Down from 2002 and the scene-stealing gay roommate in the cult classic Scott Pilgrim vs. the World in 2010. Friday's Clayton Davis recently spoke with Culkin and began by mentioning that he has been a fan of Culkin since Nowhere to Run. Whoa, that, that, did you just whip out a Jean-Claude uh, movie? Yes. Nice. Nowhere to run. Jean-Claude yeah, I Van worked Damme with Jean-Claude Van Damme. How about that? But that was... what, what happened to the action career after that? It just didn't, like... For me? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you would think that that would be a nice springboard. I was nine, <laughs> and my job was to yell, Sam, a lot and, like, it's... throw him a gun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just kept saying his name a lot. It was kind of a weird movie. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen all of it since, but I've watched clips of it since, and there's, like... I come across a guy in the woods. I'm a nine-year-old kid. I see a guy in a tent who's reading a porn magazine and has a gun. Mm-hmm. And I just ask him questions. And I'm like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. And he's like, all right. Yeah. It's a little weird. Yeah. And then we form a friendship. A little odd. And Rosanna Arquette was your mom. In it. And, Rose, and she was totally fine with me <laughs> becoming friends with this stranger <laughs> in the woods. She love was it. cool with it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, all right. Let's, let's, start with, uh, let's start with Succession. Um, fourth and final season. I'm sure you got this a lot. Are you bummed that it's ending? I think it's <clears throat> all sorts of feelings, but really I haven't processed it yet because we really just finished shooting something like six weeks ago. Mm. And there's been a lot of press since then and things like that. So we're still sort of in it. And talking to Jesse Armstrong, he's still editing. So he's like, he feels like he's still in it. So it feels like we're still making it. It's still airing. I still I haven't caught last night's episode mm. yet. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Because Jesse told us at the start of the season that he thinks that this was the last one, mm-hmm. and then he explained the entire season to me. Um, and when he finished, I said, well, that kind of sounds like the end. He goes, well, it could be, but – and then he just spat out this one idea, and I went, well, that sounds great. And then he threw out this other idea, and apparently he, th- he threw out three ideas that he said were just off the top of his head that were all brilliant ideas. For a fifth season. For a fifth season. And 
but I was, li- but he goes, then I think the, st- but otherwise I think the story is already told. We could do that stuff when I might want to explore that, but the, 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 the story has been told. Um, and I think he had said something to the effect of succession sort of has a question that begs an answer. And by the end of the season, he we gave an answer. There's an answer. Uh, so he's like, so we could do just maybe the title succession wouldn't make sense anymore or it would be something else. But he struggled the entire season. Um, I don't think he was dicking with us. He really didn't know if there was going to be a fifth. It wasn't until we did the table read for the last episode that he told us that it was it. And not just that, he told us that was it. And most of us were well prepared for it. Some of us, uh, Sarah mm-hmm. Snook, was like not. shocked. Yeah. She was, she spent the whole time. It was like a person in classic ship, man. denial. She was just like, trust me, there's going to be a five. I know he's on the fence and you guys think, but trust me, it's going to happen. So she was, you know, shocked. Um, but then while Jesse was telling us, and there were some people crying in the room, uh, and he goes, you know, but it's been a wonderful experience. And, you know, and I just think that this is how it has to end. Unless, you know, maybe there is a way forward. He did, like after we were finally absorbing the information, he pulls back. To go, but I mean, maybe there is a reality where it could be. Oh, I mean, never mind. I don't want to take I don't want to take your goodbyes away from you uh, when you're saying goodbye. Just this is it. This is, I don't want to I, I don't want to like drag this on. Yeah. Like, we, we, we may get back together, you know, give me like something. two or three years and maybe I'll, you know, uh, do, so do you feel it is definitively the end like do do you feel like like like, do do you feel like this is a break do you feel that you guys are broken up are are you guys moving on to new relationships or is this maybe like relationships like you know maybe it's like before sunset or before sunrise and 12 years down the line you meet up in paris and then you think there could possibly be more in the future i don't i don't think so i wouldn't put it past him i don't think so what i like about it is it feels like it's a satisfying ending but it does sort of beg for more Mm -hmm. but that's kind of nice i i don't like it it's particularly if there's been a show that i've been watching for nine ten eleven seasons and then it ends i really kind of hate when they put a nice little bow on it and they tie up all the loose ends i don't find that satisfying yeah so this is it's an ending but there's lots more that re- there that, really is something tons more story that can happen but it's also maybe the right time to end it with that feeling i'm also a fan of uh great show the best shows know when to end and mm-hmm. 10 11 seasons and no shade out there to anyone who stayed on board this long but walking dead Grey's anatomy like then you're just like in it for a very very long time it, it, some breaking bad perfect new mm-hmm. when to call it quits uh succession another great example of it yeah i mean it, it's hard to say because it feels like if we did another it probably would have been great too but yeah. maybe not we i don't know all, all i knew is i i could put my trust into jesse armstrong yeah. to make that call i said that to him and i think he thought i was flattering it's like <laughs> i want more because for a number of reasons but i feel like there's more that could be told there's more growth i want to see with the character there's more like I wanted to see more – there wasn't too much of Roman and Tom that, like, I kind of wanted to explore. There were more people mm. I wanted to play with. There were some things I wanted to see. So selfishly and creatively, I wanted to see more. But I told him, I said, if you decide that it's the end, then I know that you're making the right call. Yeah. Or maybe he'll just write a novel. That's what, that works too, <laughs> that's right? That's good too. Yeah. Also, that stuff lives in my head. Like, I sort of have a future for Roman that's in my head, and then I, I don't have to live it out. It's, it's in I, there. I call that um, – 
a solo a Star Wars story disease. Like I didn't, I, no one knew, understood what the Kessel Run was, and we all had our own interpretation. Then they answered for us, and we're like, oh, it's disappointing. Like, yeah. oh, that's the Kessel Run. <laughs> so yeah, I'm okay letting it live. Let it live on. Uh, let's all right. Let's go a little bit into the episode. Um, and at this uh, preface, this. I think Alexander Skarsgård is a delightful human. Mm-hmm. I've met him many times. I think he's too good of an actor <laughs> because I must fight him soon because he is <laughs> such a douche in he's this great. episode. He is like he's great. He is eating it up, mm-hmm. and it your exchange. And I know you haven't uh, seen it yet, but uh, where you know you guys are on the mountaintop of Norway, mm-hmm. very romantic uh, setting mm-hmm. for such a scene. <laughs> And uh, you run over to him while he is urinating and tell him off uh, about, you know, him forcing you guys to come out there days after your father had passed. Can you talk about just preparing for that scene mm-hmm. and how many versions of that scene there are out there? I think there's quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people listening won't know this, but I sat up on a counter before we did this and you said, oh, that's just like in the scene. I went, oh, they use that take. Because yeah. um, I you think it on the wall. sort of took, I sit up on the wall. It took us a while to find that. I think it just wanted to be eye to eye with him. And I, oh, you know. I, I was I was like, is this Tom Cruise Top Gun kind of stuff? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, like Kieran and I, we we love short guy uh, universe. We we own it. We love it, and we we're proud of it. But Alexander Skarsgård is just a huge tree. He, he's huge, but I think mm. you know maybe I, I don't. I try not to think about it too mm. much. I wasn't. I, did, I certainly didn't plan on mm. like jumping on that wall. No, but maybe there were some takes that weren't working. Maybe it's because it was you know. I guess I. It wasn't about threatening him or trying to make him feel threatened. It was more that it was just sort of a little unhinged and I didn't really know what I was going yeah. to do. And I was trying to like find that. And I, and I think maybe it was harder to get him to listen to me until I could actually get in his face, which he's gargantuan. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, um, and something that I, I, according to you, they, they didn't use is there was one take, you know, he goes and pees on the rock and he has his little like pouch for fake pee. And one of the last takes I went up and I just unzipped uh, to try to pee next to him, um, which wasn't in there, but I think it was, I think it was that take, but I, and I couldn't pee, and I remember that I couldn't, and I, it, it had been established that Roman can't pee in front of other men. I said, oh, yeah, we still haven't figured this one yeah. out. Can't pee. Wait, hold on. Wait. There. No. No, no. it's not going to – there we go. Mm. And then I just started peeing next to him. And as I was peeing, I started, you know, going – sort of going into the scene. He had this little smirk, like full Madsen smirk of like, oh, look at this. Look at this guy. He's trying to trying to intimidate me, trying to throw me off. I don't mind. Listen, like, you can pee. I can pee too. You know? <laughs> Listen, as uh... – I'm a dad. You're a dad. We tell our kids all the time, they go, go pee before we go. And look at uh, Kieran Colgan can't rise to the occasion <laughs> in the moment to, to go I did. pee. But you I did. did pee. It took a minute. It took, it took a bit. But I realized like, oh, that's actually – that's Roman. Roman is shy <laughs> – is a shy peer. So I had to like power through whatever Roman's block was, mental block. Um, and I don't – yeah, I would, I'm curious to see because we did do quite a few versions of it and – Jesse, basically, there was a take or two where I went off script and I said, that's just for me to try to find some stuff and then I'm going to go back to your dialogue, which he lets us do. And he said, he goes, I don't mind as long as I have that feeling that you're unhinged and this thing is happening. So I don't know what sort of version is is on there and how much it's – I also don't keep track of that. I have no idea what was certainly in the script and what was like maybe an alt given me that day or what was something that just came out of me and Skarsgård that day. Mm. It's awesome. Um, when you're, and I think why why I've enjoyed you so much as, as as an actor, but also I think what 
what makes people underappreciate guys like you is because on on its face when you don't know you make it look so easy like you just go into it's nice you, you you make it look easy there's so many actors i cite uh often i'm just like they they're just they're too good at what they do i call this paul giamatti disease like you're just <laughs> you're just good and people don't get everything that goes into building that and i put you in that same boat. oh that's really nice yeah. brian cox would say things like oh people don't get it they think we're uh why did he put it it was like we're like circus monkeys or something like that he was like they don't realize the hard work that goes into this thing they just sort of think oh you could do a funny bit here go do it and like no there's there's a lot that goes into this yeah. there's a lot of work there's like would my you know there is there's just a lot of internal stuff there's a lot of work that goes into it it does seem some people that's really nice of you to say yeah. I, I really appreciate that and, and, I, and i think uh him sitting on the wall and talking to uh matson about your father logan roy brian cox r.i.p or maybe not. I don't know. Who knows how this thing ends? Um, uh, gave Roman some great dramatic heft to like really show emotion that he fears his father, but he also wants to honor the legacy and name of his father. And we've seen that across the last two episodes, especially um, when they when uh, you're in the in his office and they're saying there's two ways we can spin this PR wise and say that you guys were making the decision. Mm -hmm. You really, you, you fear this man, but you also want to honor his legacy. Can you talk about getting into that zone as an actor and preparing to convey that in such a e egotistical, sarcastic way in which Roman delivers. Right. Things. Yeah. Which again, I think why people sometimes think, Oh, that's pretty easy. You just say something snarky. Yeah. People are like, Oh, it's so funny. You know, like, like that's there. Uh, sometimes I do have to fight for it on set because I feel like, okay, this is a little jokey and I wouldn't do that. I'm not, you know, uh, it, it's, he, he has a hard time communicating. I think as yeah. the siblings are like that too. So that's sort of, that's his way of expressing his discomfort. Um, but I've lost sight of what the question was you oh, asked, yeah, and so I had such a good answer for it. And instead, I went on this whole preparing for. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, what what where I got really lucky is having um, Jesse seems to have instinctively the same idea that Roman. Like it's not. I've never had to wrap my head around it. Um, if if there is something that feels a little off, I can bring it up to Jesse. But like immediately when I'm reading the script, and it is like. Hugo and Carolina throw this idea that maybe we can bury your dad and make you look good. As I'm reading it, my stomach turns as Roman going, fuck that. We're not doing that. Yeah. And then seeing that that's what he writes for the character. So it's it's already in there. Um, and so I've gotten very lucky that way where there have been very few times where I think, well, I wouldn't really do that. Um, there was one – you know you know, it's a good one and I feel really, really, really happy and really lucky to – work with such talented writers and directors that are also willing to collaborate and okay to be it, there's no ego mm. so there was at the end of episode three uh after shiv leaves and dad's about to come down the plane and kendall's gonna watch um it was initially written that roman said i can't go on i'm not getting on that plane i can't mm -hmm. do it are you gonna do it and kendall says no i'm gonna watch him down and then i get in the car and i leave and i just brought it to jesse like after that draft came out and said for me, I feel like I couldn't just leave. At the I like I would stay there and watch it too. But I know that why he wrote that in there because Roman could be a little bit squeamish about mm -hmm. mortality and and about dads and all that. I said, but I think he would for whatever reason. I feel in my gut he needs to see it. He just needs to go there and see dad. And he wrote it 
into the next draft, and I sort of thought maybe he was writing it in there because we could shoot it, he could always cut it out later, or we can shoot two versions of it. But then when we got to the day, Jesse said, no, like, I, I want to – that's it. That's the version. I said, great. Then we shot – I was wrapped that day. I was told going home, and I went up to Mark Mylod, our director of that episode, and said, what are you shooting now? I said, well, the body coming off the plane and Kendall watching it. And I looked at the timeline that I usually get printed out at the start of every episode, and I said, it's only been about 20 minutes since I went on that plane. And it didn't seem right to me, even if we fudge that a bit and say it's been 40 minutes or an hour, it didn't seem right that I would go there, look at the body and go, all right. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to get in the car and go. So I asked, and Milo kind of hesitated. He wanted to know if we should ask. I said, well, why don't we – I said, I don't need to go home. Lovely. Thank you for wrapping me. I can yeah. go home. Uh, I said, would you be okay with us shooting two versions of it? Because it's just – if he's going to be coming off the plane, I'd like to see him out. And so we shot that, and we did that twice. And I said, okay, you want the version? He And he just went, no, I don't think so. He goes, I think it's lovely. And to me, that was such an important thing. To be able to speak up for my character, and it's, it seems like a small thing, but say I would see you, Dad, and I would see him off this plane meant so much to me, and they were willing to do that, and it's in the show. And as it's interesting that you say that because um, as we sit on the precipice of a likely uh, writer's strike, mm-hmm. um, there's always like this uh, feeling like who knows the characters better, the writer or the actor that portrays them, and sometimes it's just both. Yeah, like, like both both of you. Yeah, it's it's one. Two souls in one entity. Yeah. And I think that is a great example of collaboration and what writers bring to it and the openness to build something else on top of that or listen to the other part. Of is the that soul. the writer saying like, look, I wrote this thing. It works. You have to figure out how to fit it in the box. It's like, okay, why doesn't it? And sometimes we've had some disagreements where he'll, you know, just this season, I think it was like the last episode, so I can't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. He was like, he goes, I feel like I know this character really well too. And I said, of course you do. And we just had, it was a small thing, but we had like a little disagreement about it. And we just said, let's sort of try both. And um, I'm not sure where we ended up with that, but there's one like, the, like, Roman's second to last scene ever in the show where I showed up for rehearsal and I, I can't like reveal too much mm-hmm. about it, but I completely misread the text. I said, Oh, I didn't, I thought this scene was something else. And it, I'm there. Like they were waiting on me cause I was shooting something else and I had to come to set. And it, the scene was entirely different than I read it. And he oh. goes, what do you think it was? And I said, and he, my lad, Jesse and me went into a room for like 15, 20 minutes. And I just said, I thought that this is what the scene was. And they're like, no, it isn't. It's this. And Jesse wanted to hear out my version of it. And we ended up, as we were talking, Jesse was like, I know we have to go. Can we just sort of do that? Yeah. I was like, what I said? He goes, let's just do that because then it's it's hard to talk about so vaguely. Yeah, yeah. But we ended up doing sort of a really messy amalgam of both ideas. And we just told – they were like cameras were up and we were telling the other actors like, he might do this, uh, but he might do that. Like talking about me because uh, I'm st- – still trying to wrap my head around the scene that is different than what I thought it was. And it was like, it's sort of going to live in both spaces at once. And we let the other actors know That's that this crazy. is what's going to happen. And it was great. And it was very live. And I said, do you want to do a version now? That's just like the way you had written it. Um, because I, I'm not saying I was right. I just saying I'm, I'm panicking right now because mm-hmm. I had misinterpreted the text and he goes, no, I think this works. And it that's changed. it. We so, never, yeah. So that's your, 
So yeah. your co-writer credit is on that episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> the dialogue pretty much remained the same. Yeah. It was just what the what was happening in the room was oh. different than what I thought was happening. Second to last scene, so we will. It might be the last you. scene because I feel like the last scene with Roman is probably not going to make the cut. That's oh, my guess. Okay, and you still haven't seen it, right? Because <laughs> haven't seen it. It's still being edited. I, I do you find that like I, I've been joking, but like not really joking, kind of serious. I'm like, we're going to be watching Succession Memorial Day weekend, and he's going to be editing as we're like <laughs> all taking it. In good. Um, th- I mean, I guess for you, just like whatever, whatever gets you to the finish line. I don't need to see it before it airs. But like, are you? I guess you feel in the same boat as all of us. You're like, I would love to see how it ends. Yeah, and I, I really don't know what's coming. Like, I I didn't watch last night's episode uh, because I'm traveling. I don't like watching things on my laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I watch every Sunday because I'm curious to see what's in there and what's not. Like, and Sarah and I snook. Um, all year we had like a, a, a list that we – a kill list, our own kill list <laughs> of scenes that we were so sure were not going to make it. And so she was writing this. She has it on her phone. So um, I'm curious. You guys have a tally season. board of like who most? She thought I was going too hard. She was like, "There's you're cutting way too much. I'm like, I'm not. It's because these, these scripts are written – it's like 75, 77 pages. They're written to be like an hour and 15. They're shot to be an hour and a half and they have to be cut down to 55 minutes. Like there's a lot that's going to get cut. Yep. And I had a lot of stuff in episode four that as we were shooting it, I knew wasn't going to be in there. And most of my stuff in episode four is not in the cut. And mm. I was right. <laughs> uh, it also, episode four ends with uh, Shiv taking a shot of uh, Roman and Kendall sitting there because uh, Matson calls her. Is this semi a picture of your brother's faces right now? And she takes the shot, <laughs> which I'm like, like. I'm trying to really figure out what is about to happen with Shiv uh, on the show. Episode five last night's. Yeah, yeah last okay. night, last night's episode. Okay, that's, great. That's, I'm glad that's in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'm sure feeds into something coming, uh, most certainly. But looking at this now, I, I wanted to talk to you uh, about you're sitting with the awards editor at Variety. Uh, you don't do this for awards. Ninety nine percent of the actors uh, don't do this for recognition, but it's nice when you do get some. You are twice nominated mm-hmm. uh, Emmy. Uh, and supporting actor drama and Kendall and Roman and Shiv are really leading the charge this year, especially with the spoiler alert demise of yeah. Logan. Roy. We already talked point, about it. Yeah. Point, like, <laughs> I talked about his body coming yeah, off the plane. I mean, yeah, yeah. Guys, spoiler. He, he died. Yeah. <laughs> uh, episode three. It's actually one of the best episodes of television ever. Um, nice. Yeah. We do have a writer here at Variety that, Watch it a week, uh, eight days later, and we were like, "Can you like write an essay of how you avoided the internet for eight days?" Oh my goodness! Eight days later, I met a guy yesterday at the Actors on Actors thing who says he hasn't watched it. He's waiting for the entire season air to uh, binge it, and I was like, "Just, do, just, just don't just watch the, the first three. And he's like, "Why? Just, just watch the first three. and don't watch my conversation." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think it's spoiled for him by don't the end do, of it. Don't do anything. Yeah, he was the sound guy. He, yeah. he mic'd me. Yeah, he heard everything. Yeah, yeah it's that's over. not good. Um, so yeah, you're uh, really taking a leading uh, man charge, and I think you have always been a leading man, but now more so than ever. Uh, have you looked at that in terms of like where Roman fits in the story of Succession and I mean, what that means? If you're asking if it's like he's sort of a lead character, then I would say absolutely. I think it's this season already was set up before episode three happened as like Logan versus you know Shiv Roman Kendall. Um, mm-hmm. And then he passes, and it's what's I think the center focus of the show is the three of them. So, so yeah. would that mean that you will seek? Uh, oh, sorry, not seek. You will submit as a leading actor drama uh, 
participant this year? Yes, that's what that means. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'd be doing. That, yeah. that, I mean, it's just it's less. It's not like a strategy thing or whatever. It's just like that's what the show is. It's it's if I'm supporting, then that would mean that Kendall and Shiv are as well. Hmm. Uh, and to me, that doesn't feel like that's the show. I mean, it, the show's always been an ensemble. Yeah. To me, it's always sort of felt like you know it's an ensemble, but the center of gravity is this man. Logan. Mm -hmm. And so that's always what it felt like. So if there's ever going to be, I mean, it's sort of silly to think of these things like who's lead, who's supporting, but always sort of felt like he's the lead and we're all dancing around him. Um, And even when the story, like in season three, it really felt a lot like Shiv Roman were in that sort of space as well. Uh, But this year, for sure, I mean, that's, I mean, the season even just starts out where it's the three of us taking on. Logan, the, and then he passes. So, yeah, it's, that's it's what to, that is. What you're describing is what I talk about often, uh, category fraud. And I know that's something that doesn't even <laughs> make it out into the ether. Uh, but I, my in lead and supporting can be subjective sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. However, yeah. I, my definition has always been, if you tell me what the season or movie is about, if that character comes up in that first sentence, they're lead. Like if that, right. if you, so what is, what is the fourth season of succession about? Well, Logan, Shiv, and Roman. What? Dot dot dot. Right. They're 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 leading characters. So I, yeah. I applaud. So I hope uh, it's, it's not official it, yet, but I hope Sarah follows suit. It's well, a, she she will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also just anybody that's paying attention to it. I mean, yeah. if you watch the show, that's what it is. You know, it's what not. It is. Yeah. It's it's not some. No conspiracy. No. Uh, just, I mean, I thought you were going to go into short form variety. I mean, yeah. that would be, be a perfect <laughs> place for you. Right. Yeah. Listen, uh, Jesse should make an alternative uh, short form series of like, that includes like UP episode, UP part, and just like throw like a a, com- a real hardcore comedy version of Succession <laughs> together. That could actually be awesome. Uh, I have uh, just uh, two, three more questions that I really, uh, that I started thinking of uh, as we head to the end of the show. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, I don't know what to. I don't know if this is the end. I, I don't feel confident. I think I think it is, but it also may, <laughs> maybe not. Um, question that came up: Where's Roman's kid from the pilot episode? And not his, his wife. Kid. That's that's it. Not his wife either. I know it was in the pilot, and then after it was picked up, it was oh yeah, that's actually um, your girlfriend, and she has a child. Um, oh. So the the minds were were changed. I'm wearing this wedding band my real one in the in the show um yeah they sort of changed their they, mind they need to cgi it out now in the <laughs> future edits maybe it's a promise ring. i don't know it, it was a little Roman's always been super religious about this stuff i was really excited about the idea of having a kid and the kid was like seven or eight yeah um really lovely girl noelle hogan she was really fun i was like oh cool i have a daughter this is gonna be fun and uh, so I was a little disappointed, but I think the idea was that it would just give them more freedom to play with the character. Yeah. Because they had mentioned to me, even while we – before we shot the pilot, they had mentioned something that like we're we're questioning what Roman sexuality is. We don't really know what it is. Mm. But it put something in my my brain. I was like, okay, but I'm married and I have a kid. It's like, yeah, and we're toying with the idea that she's aware that you um, – that you have sort of hang-ups uh, sexually when it comes to monogamy and um, and you might be more fluid. But we don't know what that is yet. We don't know. Oh. We're going to sort of explore that. And so I sort of planted that in my head. And then after the pilot was picked up, when they said, she's not your wife because it, 
I, I wasn't shocked because it was like, oh, I think they might want to explore the sort of range of yeah. his sexuality without it getting too like, weird or specific yeah. or, you know, having an affair or yeah. anything like that. Interesting. I'm, tr- I'm trying to like now play with all like the different relationship parts of Roman in my head right now throughout mm-hmm. four seasons because uh, do, do we – there's a thing with his trainer, which yes, uh, early on that was supposed to be more of a – and the actor was very good. Um, and it was supposed – they were maybe going to explore more of that, but we only – they dipped their toe in the water and it didn't really go that far. But then there's a reference to it like two seasons later, Shiv says, yeah, he got tugged off by his trainer or something like that. And I was like, oh, is that the yeah. same trainer? Is that – maybe it's a different one? Maybe it's a woman? We don't know. A lot of questions – in the air about that. Mm. that. Also, I mean, I have to ask you, Tom and Greg, man, to both. The, the <laughs> I mean, it's it's Jack and Ennis. It's 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 the most beautiful thing. It's the most beautiful love story on television. It's right pretty now. great. Yeah, it's, it's great. And I know uh, you auditioned or wanted or read for Cousin Greg. Or something no, they like that? they sent it to me to read for Greg, and I was I knew that I wasn't. You knew Greg. I knew right. I before even reading the first line of dialogue, it said Greg twenty six, and I think I was like thirty six or something like that. And I was like, okay, well, the you age have is aged wrong. remarkably, though. By well, the way, well, yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, but then I've read the first dialogue and went, well, that's just not me. Um, and what's fun about that too is I, I, I thought it was good enough 10 pages in or whatever to just keep reading, which I don't normally do. Mm-hmm. There's no part for me. Why am I going to waste my time? But I was like, let me just read the whole thing. Uh, and then the character Roman walks in says, hey, hey, motherfuckers. And I, I read that scene and went, oh, he was fun. Let me reread that. <laughs> um, and then asking, hey, I'm wrong for Greg, so that's a pass, but I don't want to pass. Can I read for Roman? The the response I got back was they're not reading for Romans yet. And I said, can I just do it anyway? Uh, my agent at the time was like, yeah, go ahead. Oh. Play the game. So I just picked three scenes, put myself on tape, and sent it in. And they might have thought that this was when they – you know, I said tape, the yeah. link or whatever yeah. they had to click on. Uh, they probably thought I was going to read for Greg. So – Look at Karen Colgan not – Following directions. You, yeah. can't, you, you can't interpret the final scene of the show, and you can't pretend in the right character. But but, 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 but Tom and Greg, it, it worked yeah. out well. But Tom and Greg, while we shot the pilot, um, you know, the way that Adam McKay, it's very, like, fluid with the cameras and sort of, it's very live. We're at the softball game, and he goes, uh, he yells out, like, to the cameras, like, go to Tom and Greg! And very far along lenses, cameras turn, and they know to do a scene that they hadn't rehearsed yet, which mm. was the, will you kiss me? That thing at the very beginning, we said, yeah. will you kiss me, Greg? Like, they hadn't rehearsed it. They hadn't blocked it. They just started doing it um, because it was like, I guess there's still more film left. Go, do that part. And I watched that from the other side of the field and went, oh, this thing. <laughs> These two guys, is this is the show. Like, <laughs> Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, my last question for you, uh, Wallace Wells. <laughs> he means so much yeah, to Scott us. Pilgrim. He, he means so much to us. Uh, we're getting a TV series. Do yep. you believe you're filming uh, right now or finish filming or doing something? It's the voice. It's the voice animated. Of, yeah. I, I just finished. Uh, just finished? A couple and weeks ago. And it's – I've been doing a lot of voice work lately. It is the most fun and delightful thing to explore. It's And just fell right back into it, into who that character is. And unfortunately, you know, because the – nature of people's like schedules and, and voice work. You don't get to work with these people, yeah. but I was one of the last to record. So I got to hear Everyone? a lot of it. Yeah. Oh. I'm hearing like, Michael's so funny mm. in it. And Aubrey Plaza's stuff, like her take, like hearing everybody like back again, the entire cast is back and it's a fantastic story. I come in and they're like, Oh, have you not read the script? I said, no, no, no. You're just going to tell me what this is and I'm going to do it. <laughs> I said, this is how I like, this is how I like, uh, going. Cause I've been surprised. And as they're telling me the story, I'm dying laughing and I have to like try to get through these scenes without, ruining it then but it's awesome it's gonna be great i think
That's Kieran Culkin, star of Succession, Sunday nights on HBO. That's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 